The interesting fact about fasting is fasting upregulates so many gene switches that make us feel healthier and happier and even calm I would say you feel more disciplined you cultivate willpower you cultivate things which makes you more in control of things because abstinence from food and sex and various things that you feel that you can be disciplined about are very powerful This is episode number 99 of The Inspiring Talk with Dr. Suhas Sirsagar. Welcome guys to The Inspiring Talk. My name is Vijay Gautam. I'm your host for this show. Each week I interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential. Dear listener, we all know that the lifestyle diseases are on the rise. Critical illness such as cancer and autoimmune diseases are going over the roof, and a lot of research suggests that this all could be linked to our lifestyle. If you listen to this podcast, you heard Pallavi Rao on episode 91 where she spoke how she kept ignoring her body to wake up to a rare autoimmune disease one day which took a toll not only in her life but also people around her and pallavi is not the first person to wake up to cancer and saying that i wish i had respected my body and taken care of it before it was too late if you don't want to land in that place this is the episode you can't afford to miss On this episode my guest is a world renowned ayurvedic doctor who not only talks about ayurvedic principles but merges that with the research offered by modern science. Dr. Suhas Sirsagar is a best-selling author, speaker and an acclaimed educator in the field of ayurveda and integrative medicine. He has traveled extensively around the globe popularizing ayurveda yoga, meditation and natural medicine. Dr. Suhas has successfully treated thousands of patients with his unique approach. He is an advisor to the Chopra Center and is the director of Ayurvedic Healing Inc in Santa Cruz, California. I have to confess that this episode is going to be your healthy life manual which you would want to refer again and again. We discuss about the concepts of clock gene, circadian rhythm, importance of schedule, fasting and a lot of things that you can implement in your life starting today enjoy the conversation welcome back inside this episode i'm really honored and excited to have with me here dr suhas dr suhas thank you so much for joining me thank you vijay happy to be here I love this particular line that you have used it you know one of your talks where you mentioned that east is moving towards west or looking towards west and west is now looking at the wisdom of the east right so we in you know in the east we are now adapting to the unhealthy choices and you know all the junk food and all these different habits of the west and the west interestingly is now getting into ayurveda and they are teaching us meditation and so on and so forth where it is where you know all these different things you know started right uh, and it's interesting that you know your work kind of merges the great insights of these two different worlds and then you have 
you know, chosen like or maybe just merged this wisdom from both sides. And then you are, it, it's really interesting in that sense as well that, you know, thanks for making this time out. So before, you know, I would like to jump into the conversation where we, we are going to talk about why schedule is so important, eating habits and exercise and sleep and so on and so forth. Uh, I'd like to know what was your introduction to Ayurveda like, how you got into Ayurveda? Well, uh, thank you, Bijay, and um, it's great honor and pleasure to be with uh, here with you and all the audience. And thanks for the wonderful work that you bring to your audience through the work, because it's all about knowledge, information, illumination that empowers people to motivate them to make changes. Because I think that's exactly the kind of work you and me do, and that's the reason why we are so passionate about this. So this is so wonderful that. We are talking to each other and going back to my motherland, India, to actually talk to people, to really help them understand that what we have is, is a wisdom tradition of Ayurveda, yoga, Vedanta, all the Vedic wisdom. And that being blended in a Western lifestyle is together creating what we call it is a new age living. It's an enlightened science of living that every new book that is coming out, every new bestseller is coming out. You would, you would hear Vedanta, you would hear Ayurveda, you would hear yoga in that. There's nothing more to that. And it's high time for us, especially for our young generation, to realize that this is something so important, that we need to create a blend. We need to learn a few things from the West, no doubt about it. Okay, while we learn, while we embrace, while we become prosperous and bring abundance in our life, we must not forget what is more important. And what is more important is our physical mental, emotional, and social health and well-being. And I think it should not be done at any other cost. And so if we can bring this information out through our books, through our podcasts, through our education, is something to motivate people to really help them understand. Because the world is becoming so small, it's a, it's a global country now. And this global country is, is literally touched by each other with every uh, thing that we learn. And there's nothing new under the sun. Every new concept, new fad that comes out is something that is being time-tested. We have been practicing this. We have been following this for ages together. And I think it's, it's really, really important for our new IT generation or the young Indians to really go back and ask the most important question, that what is the purpose of the human life? How do we live our life? And Ayurveda is, in fact, the original lifestyle medicine. It's how to live your life. The, the word itself means science of life. It's something how you live your life from morning to evening. The purpose of writing this book, Change Your Schedule, Change Your Life, was to help people understand that is your schedule literally killing you? And I practice here in the Bay Area, in the Silicon Valley, and I literally see people who are, who are working all day long, 12, 14, 16, 18 hours is a norm that everybody works. And when it happens that your schedule starts dictating your biology, your physiology, it's just a matter of time before you end up in having an autoimmune condition or a disease or something that you never expected. And what we learned about two years ago, these American physiologists received Nobel Prize for the discovery of clock genes, where they talk about that the impact of time, the cycles of light and darkness affect us at the cellular level, at the genetic level. 
our immune system, our lipid synthesis, our cholesterol functioning, our energy reserves, our energy production, everything that we assimilate, digest, process, is governed by not what we do, but when we do. And this science is called as chronobiology. Chronobiology, chrono means time, biology means the physiological functioning. So how the time affects our physiological functioning. And what I have seen, and the, the research that went in through writing this book was really understanding the impact of when, what people are doing and how it is affecting their health. So what I saw that these busy lives, especially busy millennials, these busy lives is literally affecting their digestion, their assimilation, they're gaining weight, they're feeling tired, they're having an adrenal fatigue. Uh, they are developing diseases which should, they should be developing in their 60s, which they are developing in their 30s and 40s, including heart disease, prediabetes, diabetes, high levels of cholesterol, high blood pressure. It becomes super competitive. And I think like we are using technology right now, it's a good thing to spread the message, but sometimes it can be overwhelming. And when I was doing my research about 2004, there was no YouTube, 2005, there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter. The first smartphone that Apple launched was in 2007. Okay. So in just last 10 years, it has hijacked our life to a dizzying speed. And when it happens, before we realize when to stop, where to stop, it starts affecting everything. It starts affecting everything because this virtual reality changes the biochemistry, neurochemistry at will. And we need to go back to our good old understanding of Ayurveda to really understand that what is the importance of sunrise and the routine that you do right before or right around the sunrise? What is the best time to eat? What is the best time to exercise? What is the best time to sleep and wake up? So these fundamentals are becoming the latest science. And mm -hmm. we go around the country teaching physicians and doctors about it. And I think what better than Ayurveda to talk about it? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, what uh, was really interesting from what you have shared is you mentioned about the clock genes. And I think the people who discovered this, uh, the you know the scientists who discovered the clock genes back in 2018, were also you know the Nobel Prize winners, right? Uh, so could you please uh, share more about what are these clock genes and what exactly they do in our body? What is the role these clock genes play in our uh, in our body? Well, I think uh, there are a set of genes, and we have about 23,000 different types of genes in our body, and they have very specific activity that they carry out at different cues that mother nature gives them okay and about a decade ago maybe 15 years ago there was a generalized uh, feeling in medicine that when uh, the light falls onto our eyes then there's a signal that is sent to optic nerve that is taken to a little area in the brain which is called a suprachiasmatic nucleus okay and suprachiasmatic nucleus is is an area which is almost a shape and size of a rice grain, a grain of rice. It's so tiny that it receives the signal that it's light out here, and then it tells the whole body to wake up and start doing the activity, what you would do during the daytime. And in the evening, when... Our body's uh, alarm clock. Alarm clock or timer or something like that. That was the oh. old school thought, that there's a big Ben clock that, that tells everybody that this is the time right now. But now what we know that with this uh, discovery of clock genes, and this is not only in us, but every, even a single cellular organism 
has the capacity to tell the time. The wow. time is embedded in our genes, and these clock genes, which are various types, and these genes are carrying out various functions. They carry out lipid synthesis, they carry out immune function, their markers, and they're activated automatically sensing the light. So now what we know with these clock gene activities, that their activities start even when we don't tell them what the time is. And when they are doing their activity, if we are not supporting those activities with what we are doing, then we disrupt the functioning of those genes and lead to what we call this gene mutation or genetic dysfunction. And when this starts happening constantly, it kind of leads to what we call it a circadian disruption because this 24-hour mm. cycle is called as circadian cycle, our, our little planet Earth. And we have no choice, okay? We have no choice. People think that I'm a night owl, I'm a, I'm a early lark or something like that. I'm an early riser, I'm a late sleeper. This works for me, that works for me. But that those are all habitual things that you cultivate. But what is important is our Earth, planet Earth is stumbling on its axis and swirling around sun at a dizzying speed. Whether you like it or not, the day and night are created. Whether you like it or not, the seasons are created. Whether you like it or not, the, the divisions of time that we figured out in Vedic calendar thousands of years ago started happening, and it starts affecting every cellular organism on planet Earth itself. So what we are looking and what we are painfully realizing from these clock genes that these functions that the body needs to carry out, I'll, I'll tell you a very simple function, say like sleeping. Sleeping is, there's a time when the, the, the body should sense it's, it's dark out there and I should prepare for a good night rest. And it should start secreting a hormone called as melatonin. And that melatonin starts giving cues and signals that it's dark out there, it's about nine mm-hmm. o'clock in the evening, we should start unwinding and get ready for sleep. But if you're looking at a glaring screen, if you're looking at your iPad, if you're watching your late night favorite television show at 11 o'clock in the night, that bright light hits your eyes and mimic as if it's daylight still. Mm. And then it delays the secretion of melatonin and it doesn't get secreted way too late in the night. And so when it should wean off, it should wean off at around 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock but since mm. you treated it way late, you're waking up dull, heavy, groggy, toxic, and tired and needing extra amount of caffeine and starting your day very slowly and things like that. So mm. just one little imbalance can lead to another one. And it's like mm. snowballing. It's a snowballing yeah. effect where many of these circadian disruptions starts affecting and accumulating. And so the new science that is all about timing, it's not about what you do, but when you do. Mm. How much it's not how much sleep you get, but when you sleep. Even timing of medicine now, that we know with the science of chronopharmacology, that the same pharmaceutical that you give would be needed 25% less if you give it at a proper time. So what it is telling us that the wisdom body of Ayurveda has talked about the timing of giving medicines, maybe the herbs, herbal formulations, uh, about solar nutrition, about how you should be eating pattern with the rising in the setting sun. What impacts does it have? Um, Mm. All of those things are becoming validated by science. And this is something very fascinating to me because this has been my area of work and I interact with numerous scientists and leading doctors and physicians in this country. And 
together we are we are creating almost a new template of functional medicine optimal for living and mm. every new thing that that we talk about including diet including digestion nutrition exercise physiology intermittent fasting uh, emotional health well-being effective management of stress you you sound you you feel the the vedic vibrations in everything and it's yeah. high time for us indians to go back and look at those things to really understand that what is the core basis of that and it's irrespective of any religion that's the unique aspect of it the way we we were born and raised sometimes it becomes so culturally entangled that we don't uh, separate what is right what rings true what is religious in nature what is spiritual in nature and it's high time that we use our sharp intelligence to dissect that to separate that and use something which is powerful applicable apply it and motivate ourselves using it regularly and leave the trash behind yeah it's interesting right so for the people let's say what i could get from what you have just shared is i i get a lot of lot of my friends they complain saying that you know what i can't sleep in the night i i have to take the pills to sleep in and so on and so forth so what you are essentially saying is try to put all your devices down by 6 pm or you know 7 pm at least like an hour before you go to the bed because your devices or the light that your devices emit is delaying the secretion of melatonin which is responsible for the sleep right and because of that your entire cycle is disrupted and then you know that that makes you feel dozy the next day that you wake up and that's like messing up the whole thing and maybe also your digestion process and so on and so forth right so we'll get into that so what i would like to know right now from what you have shared is could you please share us like what is the biological cycle that our body follows right because we do have this you know there is a certain cycle that body follows right so what is the biological cycle that our body follows and then probably it would be better for our audience to understand how they can align with the biological cycle body follows by supporting the body well what happens is that the the sleep starts fading away around 5:30 or 5 o'clock early in the morning where the melatonin starts weaning off around that time and that's the time when the sunrise happens that's the time when the sunrise happen and there's a sharp rise of cortisol which happens around 6 to 7 a.m. and that is the sharpest shooting or rising of cortisol which happens around that time which should be good enough for you to wake up and the intestinal motility um, which uh, is the fancy name for bowel movement uh, is about 3 to 4 times higher around that time so as soon as you wake up having an early morning early bowel movement before you eat or drink anything is a sign of good health so as you wake up you have an effective elimination that is really good uh that is the time when the cortisol is so high when the cortisol is high uh it's a, sometimes it can be a time that people experience depression they feel uh, uh almost a, a sign of uh, sudden spiking of an imbalance with cardiovascular imbalances around the same time so around 6 to 7 am if at all you are able to wake up and engage yourself into a brisk physical exercise a cardiovascular mm. exercise that you do it will reduce that the research says that people die between 7 to 9 am in the morning for all causes of mortality that's the that is the time which mortality is is at its peak itself 
So well, the biological clock is active at that time. And very, very many people actually look at this whole long day ahead of them, feel stressful. There's almost a feeling of stress that comes in. It's a time that your immune system is active. People have symptoms of sinusitis, hay fever, uh, allergies, congestion early in the morning. So having a morning routine is so important. And we we divide the clock between the dosha times. I don't know how much you guys know about the Vata, Pitta, and Kapha, uh, the Ayurvedic doshas of space, air, I mean, fire, water. It would be great if you can like quickly, uh, like super quick, Vata talk a little is, bit about what, yeah. Yeah, Vata is, a, is an element of air which, which governs all kind of movements and circulation and transportation in our body. Uh, pitta is the function of digestion, heat, temperature, metabolic regulation, um, conversions of food into nutrients. And kapha is, is the building block. It is about structure, cohesion, and lubrication. So there are three doshas, and they have their specific clock. Okay, So from 2 a.m. in the morning till 6 a.m. Is the, is the vata time of the day. From 6 to 10 in the morning is the kapha time of the day. From 10 to 2 in the afternoon is the pitta time of the day. Again in the evening, mm. from 2 to 6 is the vata time of the day. From 6 to 10 p.m. is the kapha time of the day. And from 10 to 2 a.m. in the night is the pitta time of the day. So this is the cyclical activity that is happening uh, as a clockwork activity that is going on. And many physiological functions are happening around that time. So around 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, we say that uh, your, your cognition is at its peak. So between, between 9 to, say, 12, uh, it is at its peak. The cognitive performance, your brain, brain cells awake, your ability to perform is at its peak. So you should be engaging yourself into that activity during those times. Mm. Digestive hour, the secretion, the enzymes are at its peak in the middle of the day around 12, 12.30, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So then that's when you have like your big meal. That's when you should have your main meal of the day. Because mm. it's, it's like solar nutrition. When sun is waking up, it's a tender sunlight outside. And you should be eating a lighter breakfast because the light mm. is very tender. When sun is prominent at its zenith in the middle of the day, that's when you should have your biggest meal of the day. And then mm. when the sun is setting in the evening, uh, again a tender sunlight, and you should eat light, close to sunlight, and prepare yourself for uh, a good night's sleep by allowing yourselves to have three to four hours to digest the food before you go to sleep, okay? So the middle hour around 9, 10, 11, 12 is the good time for uh, office work, cognitive work, research, whatever you want to do. 12 is a good time to eat your meal and things. Two to four is a time to catch up and stay active around that time. Four, five, six is a good time for unwinding, restful awareness, meditation, but it's also a good time for physical movement exercise. Cardiovascular efficiency, the mind-body coordination is at its peak around 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So if you're engaging in some sports, tennis, badminton, cricket, whatever you want to do, is it's a good time to do that. Again in the evening, the, the, the time where the kapha time starts between 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. is the time when the body is slowly unwinding. It's slowly unwinding is the heavy time. You're, you should not be eating a heavy meal at that time because if you remember these two times, 6 to 10 a.m. in the morning, you should not be engaging in heavy food, simple starches, carbohydrates, sweets, things like that around that time. And again, 6 to 10 in the evening is the kapha time. Kapha is, is gaining weight. You are feeling 
little bit dull and heavy and tendency for accumulation of water. So you should be staying away from heavy foods in that time. And 10 p.m. is the last bus which takes there because Kapha is also responsible for helping you unwind and sleep. So you should be prepared for, for having a good night's sleep. And then even though you are asleep, you would say 10 o'clock, there's a lot of physiological functions that the body is carrying out in the night when you're asleep. And the, the immune system activity, the scavenging, the free radical scavenging, uh, the lipid synthesis, all of those things happen in the night. So the body is working 24 hours. It has its own rhythms that it functions. And if I take this dosha clock that Ayurveda talks about, an ideal daily routine, what you should do since you wake up in the morning till you go to bed, and take that and put that on this chronological clock that what the body is trying to do, it fits perfectly like hand and glove. And that is the beauty of this, that we are painfully realizing that we have been talking about this for ages together, and now this is validated by science. This is a mm. real science, which is, which is, and this, you cannot, you cannot escape. This chronobiology is hardwired into our system. You cannot escape from this. It's hardwired. The body carries out its functions this way. And understanding those rhythms and living your life in accordance with those rhythms is, I think, the key. Wow. I think that was really, really insightful. The simplest way that I was trying to tell myself, okay, how do you follow your sleep, uh, sorry, eating cycle throughout the day, just look at the sun. When the sun is mild, that's the sign that, you know, you should be eating mildly. And when sun it is at its peak during the midday, that's when you can like hug on and like have your biggest meal. And then in the evening again, when sun is going down, then, you know, just have lighter meal and then you wind up, right? Just the way the sun is following the cycle there, then, you know, maybe you can have the similar pattern in eating, right? So and now it's a great, it's a great yeah. way that you summarize this thing because it boils down to three uh, principles. It's called as the tripod in Ayurveda, and the tripod mm -hmm. is diet, sleep, and exercise. Mm -hmm. Because if you eat the right food at the right time, then you're more likely to fall asleep and stay asleep at the right time, and then you would have energy to do physical movement and exercise. If you stayed physically active, then you would be pleasantly tired to improve the sleep. If you get good night's sleep then you're more likely to eat the right food at the right time. So it all feeds off each other. Okay, so it's not that I will do this and I will leave these two behind. And I see people in my practice where they just focus heavily on diet and heavily on exercise and heavily on this, but it doesn't work that way. It is, it is your full-time job is to take care of diet, sleep, and exercise as, as an important part of what you do every day. And you should build your work life around that. Yeah. So you see now in the modern world, right? So there are like people eating food almost every two hours, like six, seven meals a day at times, right? So that's what a lot of you know, people are teaching us. And then even the breakfast breakfast culture, right? So I think this was something, you know, to a certain extent, these cereal companies want us to have the breakfast and consume the cereals and so on and so forth in the morning, right? So what do you suggest, like how many meals that people should have? I'm sure, I mean, it's going to be different for the different people, but uh, but what does the Ayurveda says that, you know, do we do we eat something in between these meals or is it okay to fast in between these meals? Well, it's a great question. And again, there's no a cookie cutter answer for this because everybody's physical needs are different. The body types are different. The kind of work people do, some are physical um, labor work, laborious work, a lot of exertion. Their bodily needs are different. But ideally, 
for all body types, for all seasons, for all around the globe, for any kind of work that you do, you should have not more than three meals a day. You should not have three meals a day, the breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Breakfast should be a light meal. You are literally breaking the fast. So you are doing something gentle around that time just to break the fast. Since it's the morning time, you should avoid anything sweet and starchy around that time, ideally, because it's the kapha time of the day. Kapha is increased by sweet, sour, and salty. If you're eating sweet and fatty foods around that time, any pastries, any cupcakes, any sandwiches, any food, even simple starches from a traditional Indian meal should be avoided and eat light. Eat light because... So how about fruits? Like, how about the sweet okay. from the fruit? Is that okay? Uh, a small amount is okay, but uh, sweet is sweet. Okay, everything has sugar and it has its own impact on the body itself. So you can't glorify that this is honey or that is that. It still has the sugar and it will have the same impact what the body will go through. But going back to the same understanding that you should have breakfast, lunch and dinner. The breakfast should be uh, a lighter meal and the dinner should be a lighter meal um, compared to lunch, I would say. And then ideally, I tell my patients not to eat anything between breakfast and lunch and lunch to dinner. If you can give yourself about four to six hours of rest and digest the food very well in between that time, because kindling your agni, stroking your appetite, being hungry at the right time, and being able to digest the food that you eat at that time is something really powerful. And Ayurveda has revered this aspect of agni and digestion. Agni means uh, your ability to digest, metabolize, and transform. The English word ignite comes from Agni. Okay, it, uh, Root Sanskrit word Agni creates this English word ignite. It simply means to stroke your digestive fire and how well you are able to digest and metabolize. And when I wrote my first book, The Hot Belly Diet, uh, one of the taglines that I used in my book was rekindle your fire, rekindle your life. So we talk about fire in your belly. But this is something, if you are able to digest and metabolize things properly, you are able to attract better things in life. Because mm. how you feel is exactly the kind of life you attract. If you are feeling dull, heavy, groggy, toxic, and tired, that's the kind of life you're going to attract. If you're feeling bright and light and energetic and sharp, I promise you, that's the kind of thing that you will attract. Those are the choices that you will make. So... We talk about destiny, luck, fortune, but it all boils down to your physiological levels. How I feel is the kind of relationship I cultivate. How I feel is exactly the kind of life, job, abundance that I attract. And I think this is not the secret formula, I would say, but this is something that we should all feel, how good we feel about ourselves. And digestion is the, is the core function. Uh, going back to this understanding of fasting in between the meals is, is really important. And as you said clearly, it's the solar nutrition. It's, it's eating along with the sun. But more importantly, the second part is eating the right foods because you can't get away with uh, eating food that are filled with additives and preservatives and colors and frozen and leftover and packaged and processed with so many different chemicals and preservatives added to that. Those are all synthetic impurities that are going to slow down your metabolic function. It's going to inflame your gut microbiome, which is going to create uh, a lot of digestive imbalances. You'll feel gassy, bloated, dull, heavy, puffy. And so 
if you are eating the right foods, and the right foods are God-made foods versus man-made foods. If you are eating foods that are made by God, whether it's whole grains, fruits, nuts, vegetables, seeds, oils, anything which is, which is made by nature, you are more likely to digest and metabolize. But the more those foods are away from the source, you, you were talking about uh, breakfast cereals, you were talking about packaged package foods and bars and stuff like that, those are not real foods. Those do not carry the real nutrients at times. So you should be sticking to the foods that are literally vibrant and colorful. They are packed with vitamins and nutrients and bioflavonoids and phytonutrients. They are filled with prana, as we call it. Okay, They carry mm. the life force in them. If you are eating foods which are dead, putrid, and lifeless, that's exactly who you become. So you should be eating wow. foods that are alive. Eating food that are alive. They, they still have uh, life left in them and they co nurture the core prana in our system. Wow, I think that's a really a beautiful way to look at, right? So whenever, even when somebody is picking the food, you know, when you are putting something in your body and the system, the simple way to look at it is, is this food still alive, alive in a sense that do it still have a life or the prana that you are saying? And then that prana is going to then nourish your prana, right? So I think that's a uh, thank you so much for putting it you know, in a beautiful I way. This, yeah. I have this debate with many of my students. They ask me about eating meat and steak and things. And I tell yeah. them, if you bury your steak, you won't get a cow out of it. But if you take some mm -hmm. of the rice grains and put them into the soil, you'll get a new crop out of it. Okay, mm. Or a slice of baby carrot would, would create a new carrot plant out of it. So it still has life left in it. And that's what you're nurturing to the core of your being. I'm not saying eating meat is always bad, but you should be eating foods more often, which are, which are plant-based diet. And I think it's revered now. It means forget about yoga, spirituality, religion. Pure science tells us a plant-based diet is the healthiest diet. And the second part of is, number one, you choose the right food, what to eat. That's the first part of your exercise, that you choose mm -hmm. what is the right thing to eat. And the yeah. second part is eat less. Mm. Eat less, eat right, and you will be bright. Mm. Eat light, eat right, and you will be bright. Wow. So it you know, kind of reminds me of one of the guests that I've had on the show, Pallavi Narvikar. And she you know, told that, you know what, in my young age, I worked so hard. I abused my body with all sort of things like you know, eating all sort of junk at times, skipping meals and not sleeping and working you know, to realize that it in 30s, I wake up and then here, here we go. I have this autoimmune disease, a rare autoimmune disease called myasthenia gravis. And that's when I realized how much and then how much abuse that I was, uh, how much I was abusing my own body. And uh, I think a lot of us are abusing the body the same way without realizing that we are and uh, thinking that we are young and, you know, right now we have full on energy and nothing's happening. And maybe just one day to wake up and then realize, oh my God, I could have taken those precautions or at least, you know, supported my body in that process, right? And, and I'm glad that we are having this conversation where a lot of people listening to us are the young people, right, who are in their full peak of energy in their life. And I think it's, it's important to have this conversation and have this understanding that, you know what, you hold this power and you, you have this control in your hand on how you want to treat your body and that's how your body is going to treat you later on, right? So uh, there, are, there were two yeah. things that I, I, 
I coined as a summary of all the research when I wrote the book Hot Belly Diet. And it boiled down to two things. Eat late to gain some weight and sleep late to gain some weight. Eat late to gain some weight, sleep late to gain some weight. And 70% of the country was doing both. Mm-hmm. And that's a prescription to all kind of dysfunction that you would create. And, and the second thing that you were saying that I see so many people in my practice who spend their health to get some wealth. And mm-hmm. afterward, they would like to share their wealth with you to regain the health, which is not mm-hmm. always possible. Which is not That's true. Possible. So I think being mindful and nobody wants to eat bad food. Nobody wants to uh, have junk in their diet. Nobody wants to do unhealthy lifestyle or smoke or drink or do this or that. But the core basis that why people lead a poor lifestyle is because they're unhappy. And that mm. unhappiness, they are dissatisfied with their job. They're dissatisfied with their relationship. They're dissatisfied with some other challenges. It boils down to an unhealthier lifestyle. So until and unless we go back to that core root of the problem, where what is making you so unhappy? What is making you so emotionally dissatisfied that the only set of organs that you have received for your lifetime to you, and you are damaging that in a self-destructive behavior? And so many times I end up in talking to my clients and asking them, that what is your motivation to be healthy? Uh, how can you change um, your, your attitude toward the work that you do or the co- colleagues that you have or the relationship that you have? Because if you are not able to improve your emotional state of health and well-being, then these changes that we tell them remain superficial. And this is a very powerful thing. This is a very powerful thing because you need to allow them to really not only follow it because you read a book and you are following it for a short amount of time, but you should allow that these habits to become the way of living. There are two Sanskrit words that I often use. One is called as prayas. Prayas, priya, prayas is something which is liked by your sensory organ, liked by your senses, which is not good for you or may not always be good for you. And the second is called mm-hmm. as shreyas. Shreyas is something which is, may not be liked by your senses, but it's good for you. So you may not want to eat bitter foods. You may not want to eat bitter salads or vegetables or uh, green juices, or you don't want to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, or you don't want to do exercise at this time. Your senses don't like it, but that is something which we call it as shreyas. And when what you do, which is good for you, is liked by your senses, that is enlightenment. When shreyas becomes prayas, this is the way I live, this is the way I think, this is the way I eat, is liked by my senses, and I love this because I, I enjoy eating my kale, I enjoy eating my bitter juices, I enjoy uh, waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning, I enjoy my exercise. With all of that, you fuse that, and you create a mindful way of living in which the body starts realizing that this is exactly how I should live. And you become custodian of your own health and well-being. And this is where the shift of paradigm is happening. Especially here in this country, in the United States, where I practice, we thought about this about 50 years ago. Let's vaccinate every child that is born and there won't be any disease anymore. Okay? We have created a truckload of diseases which are called as NCDs, which are non-communicable diseases, which are lifestyle diseases. And about mm. 70, 80% of those lifestyle diseases which are the top killers, 
can be completely reversed by the changes in diet and lifestyle. And we thought Mm. that if I'm sick, I will just go to an HMO, which is a health maintenance organization covered by insurance, and then they will take care of me. They will not, okay? They'll give you drugs, they'll give you a surgery, they'll give you some pharmaceuticals, but they won't take care of your core basis of health. So Mm. you are left alone. You should decode who you are, what you do, and how you do, and create your own philosophy of healthy living. You should learn, you should grow, and you should transform your life. And I think that's the mission that you are doing. That's what I believe in. And I think the more we motivate our people to really look as health, as the basis of everything that you want to achieve in life, because I don't want to bombard too much Sanskrit here, but there's an important quotation, dharmarthakama mokshanam arogyam mulam uttamam. Health is the basis of everything that you want to attain in life. Whether it is doing your rightful duty, earning money, fulfilling your senses, or even attaining the pursuit for enlightenment. Health is the basis of everything. And it's objective. Okay, uh, Many times spirituality, it all becomes very subjective. We don't know what we should do, what we should feel. But health is feeling objectively. Having a good digestion, normalizing your weight, getting enough sleep having a regular pattern of exercise, all of those is objective, tangible things that you can look at. And many of the technological parameters that we use, whether you talk about Fitbit or watches, smartwatches, things like that, they are, they are helping us to be mm. mindful aware that what we are doing, how it is changing, even the virtual reality that we talk about, that even the experience of the virtual reality alters our biochemical, neurochemical reality. So the perceived threat can change everything in just split seconds and minutes. The molecules of emotions, as we call them, with with fear, with panic, with anxiety, with pressure, with deadlines, you watch it, and it's changing everything at will. And there is a buffer mm. we talk about. And that buffer is you need to stop. You need to take a few deep breaths. You need to really observe what is going on in your body and Mm. then go to the next thing. If you don't create that buffer, what I call it as dispassionate detachment, then you are too close to the experience. You are too close to the environment. And that changes your physiological behavior down to the cellular, down to the genetic level. And I think Ayurveda is truly emerging as the new age science, as a paradigm where it talks about emotional health, well-being, an ideal daily routine, an ideal seasonal routine, Mm. an ideal nightly routine, more importantly about diet, digestion, nutrition, exercise, finding uh, an emotional basis of happiness, what makes you happy, what makes you comfortable, what makes you excel in your role. You could be a father, you could be a son to someone, you could be a colleague to someone. We are playing so many different roles. So it's not doing one thing at a time. It's an organic growth of life. And that's where medicine is heading. Medicine mm. is not only heading towards what you do when you are sick or tired or you have disease. But medicine is something that we need to learn to reprogram and understand. And I think there's a new creed of physicians and doctors that are coming out. And you have interviewed many of them. They are actually talking about this which is literally yeah. music to my ears, and that is something shaping out to be uh, the new science that is emerging where we will Absolutely. go out and 
empower many people. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, what makes me really happy is we are becoming more and more aware of this thing. And we have started finally talking about these things, uh, even in the now, some of the mainstream media and so on and so forth. People themselves started finding these insights and information. And what really fascinates me is how the nature has got everything that we need to, you know, be at peak of our health, not only that, but also to get better if we fall sick, right? Earlier, we were talking about fasting in between the meals, right? So next thing that I want to talk about is the intermittent fasting, right? Which is now a lot of people have started talking about, you know, intermittent fasting and so on and so forth. And what fascinates me is usually we as a human, when we fall sick, we try to force feed ourselves saying that we are sick and we need more energy. And then we try to force feed ourselves. But if we, on the, on the other side, if we look at animals, right, when they are sick, then they like, they don't eat anything, right? And I think they are allowing the body to heal, right? So why don't you go ahead and share with my audience on should they do intermittent fasting every day or, uh, I mean, once a week is good or how do one go about uh, doing well, the intermittent I, I fasting? Yeah. I think I think it's a it's an absolute necessary for everyone to practice intermittent fasting. Not in the term of what we call it is intermittent fasting. There's an uh, Ayurvedic uh, term what we use it called as upavasa, upavas, mm. and the Sanskrit meaning of this word is upa means close or being proximal to, and vasa means to your own self, the self which is capital S. To be close to your greater self, so you are you are in very close to your driving seat. To be aware, to be mindfully regulating what you are feeling. So the term upavasa has been coined for ages together, and all the religious traditions around the globe have actually used this as a technique for spiritual awakening. Okay, when you talk about Christian cultures, you talk about Muslim Ramadan. Any cultures have always used abstinence from food to bring you close to God. And the fact that we are learning, food sometimes can be overrated. There are three things that we need to sustain. Number one is air that is given to you free of charge. Number mm -hmm. two is water. Clean, pure drinking water is absolutely necessary. And the number three and the least important one is food. Okay, But if you reverse this order, then it becomes necessary. So food, you should be eating less, more importantly, and if you are able to stop eating, what I mentioned in my book is from 7 p.m. till 9 a.m. next day. Okay, From 7 mm. p.m. till 9 a.m. next day. That's 14 hours. Yeah. 14 hours. If you abstain from food, then you burn what we call it as ama. Ama is some residual impurities of digestion, which we call it as endogenous toxins. That is a sticky, slimy substance that clogs the channels, creates gut inflammation, and it gives enough time for the body to digest that and to get rid of that. So uh, I think I'm a big proponent of intermittent fasting. I tell people to fast in between the meals. I tell people to, to stop eating after 7 o'clock in the evening. I'm not a big proponent of uh, intermittent fasting where you do something for two days and then you eat whatever you want and pig out for the next four or five days. Uh, I believe in something where you can sustain Okay, mm. you don't want to go on to binge dieting and binge fasting for seven days of master cleanse where you drink only water and then the rest of the year you are just eating whatever you want. 
uh, the science is if you follow good diet for Monday to Friday, and then you eat anything you want on Saturday, Sunday, you undo all the work that you did for Monday to Friday. Just one day of bad eating and bad lifestyle does everything else. And I'm talking also about from a circadian disruption point of view, okay? Mm-hmm. Because people somehow behave themselves from Monday to Friday that they uh, wake <laughs> up at the right time, eat the right food and everything. And then come Friday, they have late night eating and they go to sleep late. They wake up late on Saturday. And since they woke up late, instead of breakfast, they're having brunch. They Instead of dinner, it's Saturday night out. Then they end up in eating late. And Sunday, they wake up. And Monday, when it's time to go to bed, uh, go to work, it's as if they're waking in different time zones. They're waking up three to four hours ahead of something which is the body is not able to handle. So any disruptions, any discontinuities of fasting is something that is probably I would, I would not advise people to do. The interesting fact about fasting is fasting upregulates so many gene switches that make us uh, feel healthier and happier and even calm, I would say. You feel more disciplined. You cultivate willpower. You cultivate things which makes you more in control of things. Because abstinence from food and sex and various things that you feel that you can be disciplined about are very powerful. Uh, when I, people come to my clinic to receive treatments, I challenge them for an electronic fast. For seven days, they are not exposed to any cell phones, televisions, iPad, computers. You are completely disconnected from any electronic media. You are given very simple food that we give them to encourage fasting, to create a very gentle way of living and detoxification during those things. And they come out to the other end completely phenomenal. And we did some scientific studies during this. And we actually looked at um, lengthening of the telomeres where they became youthful within seven days. Uh, Their gene markers improved significantly. Their inflammation markers went down. Uh, Almost everything that was prone towards cancerous changes or prone for prediabetes or heart disease or everything were reversed just with seven days of this kind of an activity. And imagine if you learn to follow this kind of a lifestyle, and I'm, I'm not saying that everybody would be able to follow a yogic lifestyle, but it's a way that paying attention to eating right, eating light, and staying away from something, a gentle fasting is always good. Because when you go to sleep, what happens is, the classical Ayurvedic expression is like uh, a lotus which opens to sunlight and then it shuts down in the night. So the body literally shuts down. It's closed. And when you're dumping food on the srotuses and the channels and the digestion which is shut down, it just stays there without being digested for all night long. And you're tossing and turning and having heartburn and you have restless sleep and you wake up dull and heavy and you're gaining weight and your blood sugar is spiking because you ate the right food at the wrong time or you ate too Mm. much what is right for you. So I think this aspect of intermittent fasting is, is phenomenally powerful. And I think it is, it is high time that this is nothing new. We have been talking about this in yoga and Ayurveda for ages together. So before the sunset, so if you are eating food before sunset and you are waiting for about three to four hours when the digestion is completed, then you go to sleep with no food left for digestion. Everything is digested and then you go to sleep. And because of that, 
you will wake up easily and effortlessly early in the morning mm. otherwise with so much of food clogging your channels you will feel dull and heavy and groggy and you won't be able to wake up at the right time in the morning the other thing which i mentioned in the book was this morning exercise routine if you are able mm. to do 20 to 30 minutes of brisk exercise before breakfast even 30 minutes of brisk cardiovascular exercise before breakfast reverses your chances of having stroke diabetes and heart disease by 43% just wow. 20 minute of exercise before breakfast in the morning before 9 so o'clock so that's so that's what you are suggesting as the best time to uh, exercise it's the best time to exercise because what happens is when you come home and do exercise late in the night you're you're hungry you wake up mm. and then you end up in eating late and staying up and you dispel that whole heaviness that is coming in to help you sleep so you are doing the exercise which is the right thing but at a wrong time but if mm. you do the exercise in the morning it energizes your entire day you go to office completely bright eyed and energetic and clear because everyone is just barely waking up and coming with a cup of coffee in their hand and you are absolutely bright and energetic because you have done your 20 minute cardio before your exercise and these three things these are three practical things which i would leave your audience with which would make a phenomenal sense in how they feel number one is i would want you to do a 20 30 minutes of brisk cardiovascular exercise before you eat anything in the morning and try not to eat anything of any blood sugar fluctuation thing whether it's tea or coffee or anything till 9 o'clock in the morning that's one part the mm. second part is when you eat your breakfast try not to eat anything till lunch you can have water you can have herbal teas but no drink beverage tea coffee that spikes your blood sugar so just from breakfast to lunch nothing and from lunch to dinner again nothing so you try to observe fasting from breakfast to uh, dinner you eat a lighter breakfast you eat a decent lunch and you eat a lighter dinner and try not to eat anything after 7 o'clock in the evening and when you are fasting from 7 pm till 9 am then you will your your slowly start feeling not only you are shedding weight but you are feeling light you are bright energetic you are less inflamed and there are volumes of changes that you will notice how you feel in your body itself mm. and the last thing is one hour i won't say 2 hours 3 hours 4 hours but at least 1 hour before you sleep you should turn off your television and i'm talking about going to sleep at around 10 10:30 pm okay 10 10:30 pm at least an hour before you go to sleep you should turn off your cell phones your ipad your tablets your computers anything it's not only the blue light that affects the release of melatonin it's also what you're reading what you're watching affects you and haunts you in your sleep imagine that you received an email that you are going to meet someone and do something next day it's going to really psych you up and create disturbed thoughts in the night if you're too excited that will disrupt your sleep if you are unhappy or depressed and anxious that will also depress your sleep so ideally not to have any stimulation of any kind and engage into a little bit of a mindful way of looking at your day slowing down and having some way that you are mindfully regulated i won't call it you have to meditate meditate but it's a good idea to be completely aware and get into a quietude space because that quiet time your me time away from any distraction is very important because your internal dialogue will reset everything that you want to do 
and you want to create times for these internal dialogue several times in a day. Whether you're in a board meeting, you just wait for a minute and look at everything else and take a nice deep breath. And I give a simple technique where you connect your index finger with your thumb. Okay, both Mm -hmm. hands, you connect your index finger, your thumb for maybe 10, 15, 20 seconds. Nobody's watching, you just connect this and it takes you to the place of this mindful, settled awareness. You connect your index finger, which is Gyan Mudra, I would say. But but just connecting that and training yourselves to quiet down by doing that. It's like a cue that you give your body. And mm. if you're able to do this 20, 30, 40 times in a day, you have a 30-second meditation that is scattered all around the day itself. And those mini meditations will simply change how your body is feeling. It is going to create a little buffer and distance what you're feeling, what you're experiencing, And then you would feel a degree of calm with what is happening. And Mm. I think that that way of living and thinking and involving yourself, we call it in medicine as interoceptive awareness, is you are being aware of your internal state by you doing something. So Mm. this is a great way. And I think uh, uh, these are wonderful tools for your young audience to follow this because they're young, energetic. And not only they will follow this, but the way they will attract relationship, the way they mm. will raise their own children, the way you will become role model for, for your family members, for people around you, because that is the key. Because we all learn from community habits, is that right? We all learn from what other Absolutely. people are doing. We are social creatures. And that community, that raising collective consciousness is the whole purpose of this. And I think what's uh, so beautiful about what you have discussed so far is number one, you don't need anything. Number two, you don't have to step outside your home or office or you don't have to buy anything. Like these are the things that you can start right today, right? You can just get started with this. And just to summarize, uh, you know, the few things that you have shared in the past, like one about the intermittent fasting, following this cycle of 10 hours of eating, which means 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. You just eat during that period and from 7 p.m. stop eating and then till 9 a.m. tomorrow, which is like another 14 hours, just having this, maintaining this cycle of 10 plus 14, right? 10 hours of eating and 14 hours of not eating anything. That is, I'm sure that's going to transform a lot for the energy, for your energy. And, you know, it's it's also helping your body to heal and uh, in fact, you know, now, as you have said, right, research, a lot of research have proven that by just fasting that, as you said, you are able to reverse a lot of diseases. And uh, even in further cases of research says that when, when you do that, you are actually, you know, not giving the food to the cancerous cell by doing that. And when you do that, when, the, you, when your cancerous cell are not able to get that food, they die because body have to sacrifice uh, the cells that are least important to the uh, to the body and then uh, there's enough research that's supporting that you know people have been able to reverse cancer and so on and so forth just by doing this thing right so also the other things that you have shared uh you know about the exercise and uh about the fasting about meditation or just you know being aware of yourself i think these are really incredible tips so now there's another round that quick question that i ask it's called enlightening round before i talk about you know ask you those questions is there anything that you'd like to share with the people? Because especially after the corona uh, and people being locked at home, a lot of the mental health of a lot of people are now messed up, right? And uh, 
is there anything that you'd like to share on how we can how how we can support our mental health and uh, and and is there anything that you'd like to share from the ayurveda there are there are two things which uh, i like the summary that you did um, and i would just add a couple of things number one is keep your weekends same as the weekday So your eating pattern, living pattern, that should not be significantly different what you do on the weekend versus the weekday. Because I think that is important. And uh, if you are not following that, we call it a social jet lag. So you mm-hmm. create a social jet lag which disrupts everything and it takes few days for you to recover from the weekend, okay? So all the bad things that you do over the weekend, it'll take Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for you to barely recover from that. and then you stabilize something and then it's another friday and you do it all over again so try to stick to that that's one thing and the second thing that one of the best thing that ayurveda has talked about and that's why it is so revered here in the west is ayurveda defines diet as diet as something what you take in from any field of perception from any mode of intellect that is diet ahara ahara means to ingest and you are ingesting in the food what you eat is one fifth of what you should be ingesting what mm. you touch, what you see what you feel what you hear what you smell is all going in so as you are paying attention to food as information you should be paying attention to all the sensory experience that you're ingesting knowingly and unknowingly the movies that you watch the company that you keep the gossips that you engage into unwanted discussions that backbiting and lying that you're having all the unhealthy experiences that you uh, surround yourself with plus you're just eating one good meal a day that doesn't do everything what you take in it's the art of metabolizing experiences that's what mm. it's the art of metabolizing experiences and what we are realizing during covid during pandemic is that the world is my family okay everybody is affected by everything is this age old vedic concept of vasudeva kutumbakam we are all learning it all spreads and it's the collective understanding of our dharma the righteousness that we are all allowing the nature to behave in certain manner it's it's the result of the global warming is the result of all the changes that human behavior goes through that affects mother nature and fortunately the silver lining is we are realizing the research says that the productivity has gone up from people who are working from home they are happier because they are not trapped in the traffic one hour going back and forth so the productivity is increased they are able to do something but what you do doing at home it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that during quarantine you should be eating unhealthy foods even if you are working from home i tell them as if you are going to office you wake up in the morning you shower you meditate and you start your day until the time that you work the breaks that you have for breakfast lunch and dinner water breaks imagine as if you are living in your office and working from your office itself finding balances with with the emotional life domestic life because many time people used to run away from something and now this is right in your face whether your domestic life your wife your children the challenges what they see you see everything very closely and be mindful be careful be humble be respectful and as you start learning these things i think it is evolving to a complete different way that this pandemic is giving us a direction of how to live how to think and what are the priorities because we are suddenly realizing health is the priority if mm. we are healthy then we are bound to be happy absolutely all right so now it's time for the enlightening round 
Um, so I would expect that you try and give short answers to these super quick questions. Are you ready for this? Go ahead. Awesome. So what inspires you to do everything that you do? I believe my I, something that I believe in what I do and what I love and how I feel by doing it. That's what makes me continue. Which one daily habit do you believe has been game changer for you in your journey? Bouts of meditation several times during the day just allows me to separate, find the gap, find the space and look at things differently. What is the best piece of advice you have received in your life? I think don't take yourself too seriously. What is the one wrong belief about yourself that you have held for the longest in your life? I was thinking that I can get away with anything and everything, but I'm painfully realizing that I'll have to create structures and boundaries. What would you like to be remembered for? I think um, uh, uh, an Ayurvedic doctor who come from a rural part of India and is able to shed light on various aspects of Ayurveda using science and especially the Western civilization, how it affects not only West, but also the East. Could you share a book or two um, that you'd like to recommend to our listeners other than yours that has influenced you? Uh, I love this book by my colleague and friend, uh, Dr. Deepak Chopra. And he has written a beautiful book, a very small book called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. And they blend the wisdom, Vedanta, Ayurveda, Yoga perfectly for a successful life. Amazing. So I have one last question that I'd like to ask you. But before that, um, you know, you have these, you know, best-selling books that you have written. Um, so latest one is Change Your Schedule, Change Your Life and Hot Belly Diet, you have mentioned earlier as well. Uh, right. So could you quickly share with the audience on if they would like to get in touch with you, learn more from you. And I'm sure that from what the audience have heard in the past one hour, and if somebody is still listening to us till this point means they know the value that they have received in this episode. And I, I have learned a lot personally because these are the things that I can go back and implement in my life. These are not just the GAN per se, but this is the stuff that I can go back and implement in my life, make changes starting today itself in my life, right? Um, so how can people find you and uh, uh, you know, get in touch with you? Uh, they can contact me at, uh, on my website, which is ayurvedichealing.net, ayurvedichealing.net. They can also contact me at drsuhas.com, S-U-H-A-S.com. You can follow me on my Instagram or Twitter account on Facebook. But more importantly, you can look up all my books on Amazon. The first one was The Hot Belly Diet. The second one, which came out, which was The Art and Science of Vedic Counseling, Integrating Vedanta in a standard medical consultations and practice called as the art and science of Vedic counseling. Then change your schedule, change your life. And then my latest book is about Panchakarma, about the Ayurvedic art of science of detoxification and rejuvenation about Panchakarma. So you can find all of those books on, on Amazon for sure. And you can contact me at ayurvedichealing.net. Awesome. So I link that all up on the description of this episode as well. So I have this one last question that I would like to ask you. But before that, I'd like to thank you so much for being here and sharing these incredible ideas with the audience. I'm sure there's a lot that, you know, people can go back and implement in their life. Um, so here's the last question. Dr. Suhas, imagine that you are standing on a stadium and this one is the largest stadium that has ever been built in the history of the world. And there are millions of people on that stadium. 
and you have been given only one minute of the time to share the most important lesson that you have learned in your life, what would be your message? Just close your eyes. Feel the energy around you. Just feel your inner environment and what is around you. And by connecting that, you will transcend the stadium, the people that are around you, and connect with even a greater field of consciousness that pervades anything and everything. So that is beyond the edges and the boundaries of space and time. And the more and more of that kind of experience that you have, you will live a very healthy, happy, fuller life, living up to your potential. I wish you all the best. Namaste. Thank you. Connect with yourself. It has been a phenomenal having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for taking this time out. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inspiring Talk podcast. I hope you learned a ton about staying healthy and taking care of your body before it's too late. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode on show notes at theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 9999. And before you do anything else, let me know your biggest takeaway from this episode on my Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at the rate BJ Speaks. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring. Inspiring.